Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. When it comes to living her life, nothing seems to stand in Ashley Lynn Olson's way. When she was 14, she was in a horrific car accident that killed her father, crippled her mother, injured her younger sister, and left Ashley paralyzed. This transformational nightmare notwithstanding, Ashley graduated on time, received a full scholarship from USC, and graduated with honors. Her physical limitations didn't stop her from seeing the world. After high school, Ashley and a group of friends flew to Greece. Bitten by the travel bug, she later visited Berlin. After graduating from college, Ashley interned at a music management company, then spent four years at Wente Vineyards as executive marketing and production assistant for concerts. But that travel bug never left. And in 2006, she founded wheelchairtraveling.com, a resource for people with disabilities. Its mission is to empower people with limited mobility, their friends and loved ones, to access and experience the world of leisure and adventure travel. The website averages 25,000 monthly visits. It's more than 70 videos have been viewed half a million times, and there are 373 contributing writers worldwide. So a lot of ground to cover. Let's meet and get to know Ashley Lynn Olson. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me remotely today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Ashley, can we go back to that just nightmare day and talk about what the hell happened? Yeah, it was quite the horrific change in my in my life. I was on my way actually to get a basketball scholarship through Stanford. I was a really good basketball player and had scouts looking at me and had good enough grades, you know, where I could get into Stanford. And so I was definitely a really good candidate for them. And I had worked my entire life up to that point planning to get a basketball scholarship. My family wasn't really well off financially, so I knew I would have to get you know financial aid or get a loan or be working while I go to college. So I was really trying to help get the burden off my off my family and myself, not having a bunch of student debt. I was fourteen when the accident happened, but I was training for basketball since like third grade or something like that, and I was very aware of my family's like financial situation. So I, I knew what I was training for. Like I had, I kind of had an idea in my entire life. And then, yeah, in an instant, just like that, my whole world changed. I thought I was going to get a basketball scholarship, but instead, I couldn't use my legs. Yeah. I couldn't use my legs. So I I loved to dance when I was in high school. I was voted best dancer. And again, so this was such a huge blow to not use my legs, to not be able to, at lunchtime, not being able to meet up with my friends in the quad and go running around and chasing boys and going to dances and doing all these things that a young adolescent likes to do. You know, you're kind of at this age where your whole world is expanding. You know, people are getting their driver's license. Sure. Um, sexuality is blossoming. And I was kind of hit with this huge blow of you thought your life was going in one direction and it completely sent me in this completely opposite direction. It was pretty difficult to deal with it. At first, of course, as if you can imagine, 
with all these things, being a basketball star and, and a dancer and whatnot, um, came back to school eventually. And of course, all the boys weren't really interested in me. I just got weird feelings from all the boys. Nobody really wanted to date me. Nobody really knew what to do with me. Even girlfriends weren't sure, okay, should I push her? Should I open the door for her? Should I help her do this? What happens with this? Can we take her? You know, she can't get into our house because there's stairs. You know, we want to go over to Lucy's house after school for a snack or like to hang out, but it's not accessible. And so I just had this whole world of isolation and, and separation and me just trying to adapt and fit into a world that wasn't made for me. And that was definitely a huge challenge at first. There wasn't a safe space at school and there wasn't a safe space outside of school, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. I would come home and I the house that I lived in was actually a two-story house. And so luckily the community came together and did what they could do to kind of modernize it a little bit. Uh, They put in a shower on the ground floor, which was fantastic for me. And then they turned the dining room into my bedroom. So again, I still felt this isolation that, you know, everybody would go upstairs to go to bed. And here I was in my old house, but it wasn't my same house that I grew up in. You know, I, I wasn't in my old room. I was now in a different room. I was sleeping in the dining room and I would wheel past the staircase and that my room was actually on the very, very top of the staircase. And I could see my room every time I would wheel past the staircase, which was very, a little bit traumatic for me. Eventually my mom moved. She was definitely very aware of this situation and was very actively trying to move, but it definitely took a little while to, to find a one-story house. But yeah, I, I would come home and nobody knew what I was going through. I, I would even talk to counselors just because with everything that went on, everybody thought that I needed to talk to a counselor. And I thought, okay, yeah, sure. That would be a good idea. And I went through counselor after counselor after counselor because nobody could find anything to say to me that I could relate to, to help get me through this. Right. Except for there was one guy, there was one guy who said one thing to me and I will always carry this with me. And he said, Ashley, come with me. We were inside the, the living room by the backyard. And he said, gaze into the backyard with me. I'm like, okay, what are we looking at? He's like, see those, see those roses on the back fence? Way, way on the back fence, way over there. Aren't they just beautiful? They're so beautiful. Let's look at those. I'm like, okay, yeah. And he's like, now imagine there's a bucket of dog shit right by the front door because your little sister picked up the dog poop. Mm. Like, okay. I'm like, I see the bucket of dog shit. And he's like, now look at the roses. He's like, you keep thinking about that dog shit, right? Like right next to you, like right by the front door, you know, that, that bucket of dog shit that's smelling and, you know, almost permeating all your senses. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Like I can't, you know, I can't focus, you know, completely on the roses. I keep focusing now on this dog shit. And he's like, this is your challenge. You need to focus on those roses Mm. on that back fence and not focus on that dog shit right next to you. And that was seminal for you, huh? Yeah. There was always going to be some kind of shit, you know? You could always find the shit in your life. Yeah, but shit notwithstanding, your life is upended. Your entire family's life is upended. Your father 
doesn't survive. Your mother yes. is crippled. Your sister is injured. You have other siblings as well? Yes, I had an older sister, but she was not in the car because she was working and not on the family vacation. There's many buckets of dog shit. Yes. Who's not impacted by this? Yes. I couldn't even get dressed on my own. I couldn't even sit up on my own, transfer myself. It was really rough. I mean, I, I went home not being able to do a lot of things, needing a lot, a lot of assistance and then having to do rehab at home and then having to go back to rehab a couple of times for more intensive rehab situations until I was, you know, fully independent. But but I was, I mean, by I can't recall how long it took me because I remember at first I had I, I definitely wore pants that were much easier for me to get on and off, you know, like windbreaker pants, something like that. But I do remember, you know, by my junior and senior year of high school, I was cramming myself into jeans somehow, um, mm-hmm, really tight mm-hmm. jeans, just like my girlfriends. Yeah, I right, right, right. Like my girlfriends. And, um, I mean, it would take me forever sometimes. And sometimes during school when I would have to go to the bathroom. That was a project. Try, huh? <laughs> yeah. Trying to put your pants on and off super tight jeans while the right. sitting position takes a little time. Right. So that was definitely a challenge. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything, everything was a challenge. Opening up a door, sticks on the ground were a challenge, cracks, every little thing was now a new barrier and obstacle to this whole new world that I didn't, didn't, didn't even know before. That's how clearly people defined you, didn't they? They defined yes, you was, by, at this point, a teenager in a wheelchair. Yes. By this point, I mean, the, the town knew very much uh, what had happened to my family. It's a small community. And my dad had coached uh, both my older sister, myself, and my younger sister in sports throughout our entire lives. And my mom was active in the PTA. So between all of us, I mean, we had a really big network of people. So yeah, I mean, there wasn't really a place that I could go anywhere in town where I was not really known or recognized. Like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's that one girl. Even if they didn't know me directly, they knew kind of of me and, you know, the tragic story of my family. So I definitely felt that wherever I would go, um, even even as time went on, even with people not really knowing like who I was, even just me being in a wheelchair, just all the stairs on a regular basis was really intense. But but yeah, it was definitely odd going around town and everybody just kind of knowing your business, what had happened to you. Oh, you're the, you're the girl in the wheelchair. Right, yes, right. I definitely became kind of that poster child girl in a wheelchair. So I was always trying to be just on my best behavior um, you know, being like showing strength and everything was going to be okay. There wasn't really any time to, to crack. Um, wow. Wow. So to speak. So I definitely healed myself a lot through, through my writing. I did a lot of poetry and just journaling and whatnot. So the word that comes to me, in addition to other words to describe you is certainly resilience. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I think we as humanity are quite, are quite resilient. I just feel like I, I'm one mirror of that for the rest of the world. I'm showing kind of the rest of the world what they already know, you know, that that we are so resilient. People always say, Oh, I I couldn't go through what you went through, Mm. but I, 
I, I just don't, I, I believe that there are a lot more capable people out in this world than, than they realize. So don't define me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can do it too. Like, don't be scared. Like if, if you were to become paralyzed, you wake up, you know, with a hidden spinal cord disease that, you know, just wakes up when you're 40 or 50 right, or something right. like that, you know, it's like, it's going to be okay. Like there's still plenty of life to live and experience and feel and things. Well, to be clearly fun. you smelled the roses, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I did. And actually it's, it's definitely something that stays with me a lot because well, even before all that, roses have always been my favorite flower as a kid. My my family, um, my mom and dad are both big green thumbs. My dad was a park ranger. And so I just grew up camping and hiking and learning about nature. So I love roses. And even though it was a like cliche, it was every, oh, it's everybody's favorite flower. But no, really, it was my absolute <laughs> favorite flower. I used to actually eat rosebuds um, when I was younger. Okay. And I would just like <laughs> rub them all over my face. And I just, I know I just love them so much. <sighs> I mean, nature is, is so very fueling to me. I mean, there was a time I had, um, pressure sore surgery in which I had to be in a short-term care facility for eight weeks laying flat on my back to heal. So I couldn't even sit up to take a pill or to eat or anything. It was a quite, quite a long experience. And what saved me was this beautiful tree outside my window where I could just watch this tree. It was just, uh, towards the end of fall. So the, the leaves were changing and then I watched them drop and fall in the rain. And it was just so magical. And I would just stare at that tree every single day and be so grateful that I could watch this tree. Oh and actually, gosh. I remember, I remember as well, when I first became paralyzed, being in the ICU for a number of weeks, I was finally well enough to be transferred to a wheelchair to go outside for a minute, which I was thrilled about. And, oh, I will never forget that first time being outside again, just feeling the warm air. And I remember just, again, there was one tree on the patio and just watching this tree blow in the wind. And there was this beautiful golden afternoon light that was bracing through those leaves. And I was just watching them just delicately move in the wind. And I just felt so grateful to be alive, to be able to see that. Wow. Wow. Let's jump ahead a little bit that, as I mentioned, that you flew to Greece after high school. Yes. What prompted that? And what made you think you could do that? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, it was kind of like a school event where it was graduating seniors and I'm not sure what teacher kind of started it, but it was just like, Hey, I'm going to put together a, a trip to Greece, you know, for graduating seniors. And then just a couple of friends, you know, we were talking about it and oh, okay, yeah, let's, let's do this. And so there was a, a good group of us, maybe like 20, 25 friends and, you know, acquaintances and whatnot, and then other people who we went to school with, and then a, a couple of parent chaperones. I use that in quotations because they weren't really chaperones, <laughs> um, but uh, a couple of parents and some teachers. And it was definitely a big deal. I definitely went back and forth on it a million times, very unsure about it because I knew how horribly inaccessible it was going to be. My trip to Greece was before the Olympics. 
So there was nothing that was made accessible. And so what year was that again? It was 2001. So there was no elevator up to the Acropolis. There was no public bathrooms that were accessible. Getting into any restaurant wasn't accessible. There was no ramps on the streets, nothing. But I always wanted to go to Greece. As a young adult, I was obsessed with Greek and Roman history. That was one of my absolute favorite topics in the whole wide world, especially Greek history and Greek mythology. So going to Greece, that was something that in my heart, like that my in my soul that I really, really, really wanted to do. But then I just had this, you know, this barrier of this wheelchair and this whole aspect of not being able to walk. So I'm like, okay, how do I, how do I figure this out? And luckily for one of our senior trips, we went to a, a water park, which was a tradition every year. And it was also something that I was very nervous about because yes, I can't walk and I would need help. But my school counselor, Linda Ellis, basically just pushed me to, to do it. And so she really encouraged me and she was such a powerful force just to make that initial step into the unknown. And so I did it. And that really kind of, I think was the first stepping, one of the first stepping stones to kind of push me into doing something that I was very uncomfortable with and just, sure. just to try it. And again, since I was so obsessed with Greece, I just said, Ashley, you know, this is such a once in a lifetime opportunity you know, this is such a good price too. You know, since we're going with like 50 people, you know, the price was just incredibly good. And, you know, I would have the help of not just like one or two friends, but there would be 20 friends that we could rotate me around and guys and girls. So I'm like, okay, let's just, let's just go and see. And I, and I did it. And I had girlfriends carry me, picking me back up the Acropolis and, which was really difficult and, you know, going over cobblestones and, you know, if I had to go to the bathroom, they would pick me up and I would take my pants off, you know, on the toilet and then do my business and then have somebody, you know, get me back on the chair. And if I had to go into a restaurant, I would piggyback and then somebody would take apart the wheelchair, put it inside the restaurant and then put me, put the wheelchair back together. And then I would sit back down in it. So it was quite, it was quite the process everywhere that we would go. In Greece, they had a lot of handheld shower nozzles already. So what I would do is just shower on the toilet if it could reach, or I would just be sitting on the ground and I would just do it that way and be crawling in and out of the shower, which nowadays I would definitely not do. But uh, for my first time, yes, I was you know, willing and able to, to do that. Definitely bruised myself up quite a bit doing all that, but um, was adventurous and I could do that then. So it was all good. You had this experience, which was so out there for you, but you had that under your belt that Greece was the foundation for you. And that's actually kind of an interesting way to describe it. Um, (laughs) That was definitely the foundation, knowing that I could do that. I felt like I could go. I could go anywhere. I said that you went to USC. Yes. So you were kind of in a way a veteran at that point, right? In terms of knowing what you could do, who you were, how you were able to define you. Yeah. I mean, I definitely knew my, my limited, like my core, my core strengths and weaknesses. We'll say that. 
Um, there was still definitely room to test boundaries for sure. There's still ways of me testing boundaries, but yes, I mean like getting ready, you know, like doing basic hygiene things and taking care of myself, like getting to and from not being timid to ask somebody for help if I need, need it. And that kind of a thing. If I'm out and about by myself, I was definitely really, really strong in, in that regards. What was your social life like in college? Did you date? When I was in the accident, I had a boyfriend and he lasted, I think, about like six months after the accident and ended badly. I mean, I don't blame the guy now. I completely understand. It was a lot for somebody to go through um, for sure in, in his own world and his transition and whatnot. But that was a quite painful breakup because he was definitely a rock for me and, you know, my best friend at the time and a huge support system. And then when he kind of left, my world came crashing down. But I had good good enough friends. And then my junior year, I met a really great guy and we started dating. And he actually wanted to go down to UCLA, but he didn't have the grades initially. So he wanted to go to Santa Monica Junior College and then transfer. And so he actually followed me down to Los Angeles. So while I was down at USC, he was going to community college at Santa Monica. So I technically had a boyfriend while I was in college. There was a period that I wanted to break things off for a little bit and kind of date around for like for a little while, but didn't last too long. I think it was about six months or something like that. And we got back together. But the first year of college was definitely challenging because nobody knew my story. Nobody knew who I was, which was... And you were defined as a person in a wheelchair. Yeah. And it's it was quite ironic because, you know... I knew I wanted to escape that. I didn't want everybody to know my story, but then I wasn't seeing the flip side that I would have to explain myself to everybody, that I would have to explain my story because I felt like almost like I had an infection like for everybody that I had to... That you were contagious? Yes, yes. That I, that I had infections, that I had some something contagious and that I had to explain my whole situation. There was a lot of me just trying to make everybody feel okay with my situation. And so that was quite exhausting, absolutely exhausting my freshman year. A therapist notwithstanding, whatever support you may have had along the way, it was who you were and are that helped you forge ahead. There was just nothing else for me to grasp onto. I mean, there was just really nobody else in the world that I could relate to. Nobody else had the answers for me. So I really had to just dive really deep internally. And the only thing that gave me any peace was just listening to myself. And that's that was the only guidance that I had. And that was the only only way that I knew would get me out of out of the situation, out of my head, and just more more alive and compassionate with my own situation. I guess mm-hmm. like compassion I guess that would be the best way to put it. Like compassion to my own situation, to my own life, to my own understanding of it, to my own process of even understanding it, you know, and just giving myself time, you know, to be more patient with myself. So with all of those positives, and then as I mentioned, you graduated, you got a couple of jobs. I want to move now to <laughs> this wheelchairtraveling.com. Clearly, Greece and Berlin lit a fire in you. Yes. What happened? You just woke up one day and said, I got to do something. 
<laughs> well, well, first of all, yeah, the, the comparison between Berlin and Greece was very dynamic for me. Greece being horribly inaccessible. And then a few years later, going to Berlin in college and having a fairly different experience where there was transportation that was somewhat accessible. Not every station was accessible. At the hotel I stayed at, the bathroom had a roll-in shower with a bench and a handheld shower nozzle. And that just, that alone opened the floodgates for me. So I'm like, okay, here's Greece and Germany, both in Europe, fairly close together, but could have such vast difference in access. So I'm like, ooh, yeah, like that, this is very interesting, very interesting indeed. And so when I was working at Wente Vineyards, I would come home at night and just be kind of working on wheelchair traveling on the side because as I was just going around, I would just be running into all these different barriers. Like I would call a hotel. I, you know, I need an accessible room, you know, it was like grab bars, roll and shower, blah, 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 blah. I'm in a wheelchair. And then I would get to the hotel and this is a true story. I got to the hotel, go to check in. Oh, I'm here for Ashley Olson for my reservation. And they're looking at me like I'm crazy. And they're like, wait, we do have an accessible room, but it's on the second floor and there's no elevator. To an accessible room? <laughs> you know, so, I mean, dealing with hotels in general, you know, and calling and calling and do you have this and that and I need this and guaranteed this and you get there. Oh, no, we gave our room away to somebody else. I, I just decided, no, this is just madness. And I kind of just, for my own sake, wanted just to start like a list, general like, you know, reviews and and a list for my own reference. Just so if I went to this destination again, I knew not to go to this hotel or to go to this hotel. Because I definitely found out when I would call visitor centers or a ranger station or, you know, yeah, you go into a park office and, oh, what's accessible? Some parks might have done all of the all of the work and say, okay, yes, we know where all the accessible bathrooms are. Here's where all the accessible drinking fountains are. Here's the accessible trail. It's this length. It's this wide. But majority of them are not like that. But what I wanted to do was just to show people, okay, yes, it's not 100% ADA accessible the whole ways. But if you go just a half mile more, there's a bend in the road and there's a nice little creek and you know, nice little ambiance or view and whatnot that might be interesting for you to hike to. Because I get I got really tired of people telling me, oh no, this is the only trail that you can do. Oh no, this is the only accessible situation that is your option. And then I would get to a park and I would see a trail. I'm like, well wait, that kind of looks like I could do that. How far, how far can I go on there? So all of this sort of stayed with you that I'm going to have to do something with this because the travel bug never left you. And then in 2006, you kind of took the bull by the horns. Yes, yes, exactly. Not even just for for myself, creating reference for myself, but I knew from the get-go when I started creating the site that I wanted to be a resource that any and everybody could contribute to because I knew I was not going to be able to go to every hotel, every destination in the world and review it. And we all have our different needs and wants and interests and what we're willing to put up with and what we're willing to not put up with. So I really wanted to get 
the community more involved um, with the site. So from day one, that was definitely the mission was to not have a site, not just about my travels, but what's everybody doing? You know, let's kind of help learn like from everybody's experiences and help this community grow and make the world more accessible. I guess it must have started out very small. Yeah, I, I, I built my first site on Dreamweaver using just basic HTML code, which I didn't go to school for. But growing up, I had a MySpace page and just learning some fundamentals, building that with coding. I was able to take that knowledge into the coding world and actually learn how to build a website on my own. And could you afford not to work at that point? You were giving up um, an income. Well, I, was still, I was still working at Wente Vineyards ah, okay. at that time. Mm-hmm. So I was doing mm-hmm. this at, on the side at nighttime. So I would be working during the day and then I would be doing this at nighttime and on the weekends. Took a lot, a lot, a lot of work, a lot of time because this wasn't my field of expertise or anything that I really knew anything about. And that service did not exist until you gave birth to it? There was a few mom and pop type blogs, but there was no like searchable archives for them. And I wanted a way for people to be able to search for tour companies. What I wanted was like a a site that was all inclusive to everybody written by all these different people where you could search for travel in all different kinds of ways. So let's say you want to go to Switzerland. You don't know where. You go to the site, you can type in Switzerland, see what the options are. Let's say you just want to go somewhere in Europe. You can go there and search by Europe and like start searching for destinations. Or let's say you want to go for a tour. You can have an organized tour. That's available. If you just want to go backpacking around somewhere and you just want to know, okay, what transportation options do I need? How do I rent a car? You know, flying on an airplane, how am I all going to make this work? I have a ton of articles and videos about all this stuff. So you can kind of basically piece together what you need, what you're kind of unsure of. So you can plan a trip based on how you like to travel. But does that include negative comments? Yes. If there is a review, whether it's negative or positive that we have, I will I will have it up there. Because again, I'm, I'm trying to just give the information out there of people's experiences, whether it's, you know, horrible airline experience or hotel. Yes. Like the Uber and Lyft dilemma of them not being fully wheelchair accessible. So there's actually a good letter on my site with a guy uh, addressing, addressing that. And now personalize this. Do you travel all over the place? Has that continued for you, your wanderlust? Oh, yes. My most recent trip, I'm so very fortunate. I just came back from a big trip that I've been dreaming about since before this website started, I got to go to New Zealand, which was... That's a hell of a schlep. (laughs) Incredible. Yes. So like I said, I'm a huge park lover and it was dying and going to park heaven. Just all the different geography and topography everywhere, all the different colors, the diversity of the landscapes. It was so rich and invigorating. I went by myself and it was probably a good thing because every day I was just geeking out and just screaming and talking to myself so loudly going, oh my God, this is so beautiful. (laughs) I actually started just to annoy myself, but like I just couldn't, (laughs) I couldn't even keep the words inside. The words had to keep coming out because the energy was just so strong. I had to verbally say something because it was just so overwhelmingly beautiful. Going halfway around the world by yourself, whether somebody's compromised or not, is not small potatoes. 
that's pretty freaking impressive. My first trip alone to a different country by myself was in Japan. You went all the I, way to Japan by yourself. Well, a friend of mine uh, who I went to USC with, he was flown in Japan and had family in Japan. So he was actually going to be my tour guide and show me around. So I actually flew over with him. But then 24 hours into our trip, he had to take an emergency flight back home because his wife is Australian and they had to do an immigration meeting. And you just can't miss those. Like he had to go back. Otherwise, she would be deported. So he left and I was really going to try to make it work. So I just wrote, I had him write down a couple phrases like, where's the elevator? I need a taxi. I need help. Um, I can't reach this. Just a couple of very general phrases, just in case charades in English and common sense couldn't communicate what I needed. But yeah, I went all around Japan by myself, not speaking the language. And that was definitely an incredible growing experience for me. New Zealand was also a growing experience, driving on the other side of the road, renting a car for the first time by myself in a different country, driving on the other side of the road. What the hell don't you do? <laughs> um, oh yeah, I went paragliding in New Zealand, went jumped off a jumped off a mountain in that was a lot of fun. Do you make public appearances? Do you address different groups? I have. Um, I'll do like support groups. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do a lot of support group talks every now and then, especially in the Bay Area. Sometimes like hospitals or rehab centers or universities will want to hire me for their students or doctors or people in training or something like that to go over something about this world. How many years has it been since that nightmare accident? 22 years. 22 years. Yes. And you've just lived your life and scaled these mountains and know that there are many more mountains for you to scale. There's a lot more to life that I need to live. Yes. There's a lot more that I need to accomplish. I'm writing a screenplay. I have a book that I'm writing. I'm really involved with art. Um, I'm doing a lot of oil painting too. So you are the successful organizer of your life. Ashley Lynn Olsen does whatever the fuck she wants to do. <laughs> I like that you dropped the F-bomb. But the fact that nothing's going to stand in your way no, and that no. you're not going to be defined as a woman in a wheelchair. Yeah. And if there's going to be a barrier, an obstacle in front of me, it's okay. I'll find another way. You're honest about what your life has been like, but you've managed to really make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy this bitch. Like I'm gonna I'm here to to live and to experience what I'm here to experience. I wanted a challenge. But I bet that there's still times where you have to kind of educate people, correct? Oh yeah. I mean, well, that kind of goes with the territory, and that's something that I've embraced in my life, and it's something that I don't shy away from. It's not something that I get annoyed by. If the opportunity arrives, I will give as much education to the willing participant as they're willing to receive. If it's like a little kid, you know, I, I won't tell them, oh no, don't talk to me. Like, go ask your mom and dad, you know, I'll be honest with them. And then I'll, I'll try to break it down in simple terms. And then I will say, okay, well, you should ask your mom and dad about it. Have them also explain it to you just to kind of have them also be a part of the conversation as well and comfortable. Are you basically oblivious of people staring at you or making assumptions about you? 
I feel like I, there's a switch that I can turn on and off (laughs) Mm -hmm. Whereas, like most of the time, like I just go out and I know it's going to happen. So like the switch is just generally off. Honest to God, I'm kind of a friendly person. So when I am out and about, (laughs) there's an understatement. So when I am out about, like I am trying to make eye contact with like every single person and to say hi to them. Like I really am (laughs) no matter where I go. Well, you're not invisible. You want to make sure that people see you for who you are at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, I mean, like, honestly, I don't even see it from this point as from a wheelchair. It's honestly, for me, it's kind of more like my soul reaching out to their soul. Like, you know, just one, like one angel saying hello to another angel, you know, or like one God saying hello to another God, you know, just like the God within you, like bowing to, the God within the other person, seeing that, that divine soul in all of life. Well, that's a perfect way to end. Here it comes. You really are inspirational. Nothing's going to get in your way, damn it. You're going to do what you got to do. I'm inspired every single day by the world around me and the people in it. So why shouldn't I also be a part of that inspiration? So I'm happy to inspire anybody however that might be. Just to make sure everybody got it, it's the website is wheelchairtraveling.com. Ashley Lynn Olson, thanks so much for sharing who you are. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to share my story. And hopefully it will allow people to know that no matter what happens in their world, they can overcome it. Perfect. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.